Hello, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of One Vision. Joining us on the show today is Chris Garrett from Bermuda. Now, I'm going to leave Chris and to tell you a little bit more about his background and why I keep messing up from where he's from. And if you do not follow Chris on social, just so you know, go do that right now because if you want to see beautiful pictures of the beach in Bermuda, that'll be a good way to start since we cannot really travel. And welcome to the show, Chris. And first of all, like I mentioned, you do have quite a curious background. I don't remember having someone from a law firm on the show, so you might be the first. I don't know one from the triangle. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about what you do, what got you into fintech beyond all of your daytime job? Right. Okay. Well, thanks very much, Thea and Bradley. It's an honor to be invited to your podcast. Um, and I'm also a bit um, kind of a curious myself that I'm the first lawyer to be on your show. Um, and let alone that if I'm the first lawyer, it's the first one. I'm, I'm actually from Bermuda. So I'm a little um, uh, puzzled by the fact that no, no onshore lawyers or lawyers from the US East Coast have been on your show. So um, I think you're going to have to try and um, expand your reach a little bit. But anyway, um, so, yeah, I don't know if just being in a law firm means I have a curious background, but I'll, I'll take that as well. So I appreciate that. And also, it's very nice to be able to um, to speak with my Twitter friends. So I appreciate that. Um, no, in terms of what I do, yeah, I guess, um, I mean, my, my main job is really uh, as an attorney. I work at a law firm, which is Bermuda's largest law firm, um, Conyers Stowe and Pierman. And um, I'm a partner. I've been there for over 20 years. And it makes me feel very old. I um, I actually work um, as a corporate partner, but with a specialty in insurance, and then more recently as the head of the fintech group um, within the firm. Um, I guess um, in terms of what got me into fintech itself, it's kind of a funny story in a way. I was standing up in the kitchen of our house, and all of a sudden, my Apple Watch buzzed, and Looking at it, it all of a sudden said, oh, I see you're a Bermuda-based blockchain lawyer. Um, can we talk? And I was like, okay, I, I am. Um, and this was back in late 2017. And um, I sort of you know, went, on, uh, went online and had a chat with CFO of this uh, e-gaming, e-sports um, company. And he wanted to talk about uh, setting up a Bermuda, Bermuda company to issue uh, utility tokens. And the only reason why he got my name was because on LinkedIn, I just happened to mention that not only was I a Bermuda corporate lawyer doing M&A work and insurance work and so on, but I was also interested in blockchain. And so he just Googled blockchain Bermuda lawyer and I came up. <laughs> and so that was it basically. And that was where the industry was back in late 2017. People really weren't aware as much of blockchain, certainly not in Bermuda at least. And um, you know that, that generated a lot of excitement. I sort of got the government involved. I got our own Bermuda business development agency involved. Um, we set up the company. Um, it um, worked on doing its token issuance. Um, I was thrown onto a Bermuda government blockchain committee and we actually started drafting, because at that time we didn't have any legislation, so we actually started drafting ICO legislation um, to try to regulate this brand new business, which was kind of, we were trying to attract this to the island. The notion was that we wanted to create a 
third pillar to the island's economy. Um, the primary two at that time being um, reinsurance and tourism. So, um, yeah, all of a sudden I was uh, doing talks. I was on panels trying to explain what blockchain is, which yeah, at that time I remember thinking it was like uh, doing a talk to um, the partners in my firm um, at a corporate department meeting. I remember it was kind of like Sesame Street version as of what blockchain is, which I was still kind of getting puzzled looks. Um, people were looking at me thinking, you know, who is this person? What is he talking about? But, um, you know, it, it piqued everyone's interest. And, um, and really, you know, what piqued my interest in this field was, you know, really actually going on things like Twitter and, you know, um, reading more about the subjects, um, blockchain, FinTech, and also gradually what underlies that, what sort of features around the subject are things like artificial intelligence and, you know, robotics and insure tech and all the other features surrounding fintech which you know you and i um we tweet about all the time anyway there we could go back and forth about you know data privacy and all the sort of big tech companies out there and so on so, so that's really kind of got me into it and um being the only person in the firm at the time who understood what fintech was i've kind of created a little team around me but that's sort of now i'm the head of the fintech group um i still have my day's job which is still acting as a corporate lawyer and an insurance lawyer so you know, that is still um, in my practice, but yes, that's, that's where I am now. So, so talk a little bit about, you know, sort of the history of digital assets in Bermuda and how those things work together in terms of its regulatory framework. Um, why, why Bermuda and, and why, you know, has the industry sort of taken off and, and, sort of spent time there? Is it just because of the, the corporate formation? Like what, what is it about what's going on in Bermuda that attracts those type of companies? It's not just because the beaches, like I can't see that. Um, but the beaches are so as, nice. As, as, I mean, we could we just nice talk about the beaches the, if you want. Yeah, we could, if you want. We could spend the next 30 minutes talking about how lovely the beaches are and we have pink sand. But no, I mean, it really kicked off like late 17, um, you know, and we did introduce, we drafted this ICO legislation, which was, um, sort of embedded within our Companies Act legislation at the time. Um, that was really purely focused on uh, crypto issuers or digital asset issuers. Um, uh, that was the very beginning in terms of, you know, talking about the history of digital assets. That was the starting point. Um, from there, we um, built up uh, a Digital Asset Business Act, which really focused on actual digital asset businesses. So not crypto issuers or digital asset issuers who are looking at raising funds like for crowdfunding purposes, but actual digital asset businesses who this was their core business. So it's like they are exchanges or custodians or market makers, for instance, in this space. And in terms of this type of legislation, we introduced this a tiered approach. So um, you could be regulated either um, on a small scale, so we go into like a sandbox and you can test your technology and um, just for a limited period of time, so maybe like three months, nine months, 12 months, 15 months, regulated by our Bermuda Monetary Authority, um, which I'll go into in a sec, but they're the sort of main regulator um, in this space. And just different types of classes, so you don't necessarily need to get a, a full 
um, digital uh, asset um, business class. Um, we also had InsureTech legislation, which was amended at the time to also allow a sandbox approach. Yeah, we bear in mind, yeah, Bermuda is a small island. We have 60,000 people, 21, 65,000 odd people, 21 square miles. You know, but we do have, despite thinking about the beaches and so on, we do actually have a very sophisticated infrastructure and people don't really recognize that. And they think of like different Caribbean islands, you know, we're not even in the Caribbean where our closest point ge geographically is South Carolina or North Carolina, I think. So, you know, we're way north of the, the Caribbean and we do have um, sophisticated infrastructure, lawyers, uh, um, you know, auditors, um, you know, uh, if you look at the, if you look at the photos of Hamilton, our city, it, you'd be surprised to see how built up it actually is. And we're quite densely populated um, jurisdiction. You know, we're the second largest insurance, reinsurance market after Lloyd's. So, but saying that, you know, we're small and that means that we're quite nimble as well. Um, the Bermuda Monetary Authority, um, they're a very sophisticated regulator. They re regulate not just fintech, which is a brand new um, sector, but they've been regulating our reinsurance market for, you know, 60 years or thereabouts. Um, uh, we also have an investment fund sector and obviously our banking sector as well. So they are a um, well-respected, well-known regulator. Um, and also we have a very pro-tech government. Um, and like I said, they wanna make this a real pillar of our economy. And our, our premier, um, the um, Honorable David Burt, um, uh, Premier Burt actually has a tech background. Um, he actually wrote his own iOS app um, before he became the premier. He's our youngest ever premier. He's in his thirties. Um, he actually has a pilot license. Um, I'm not actually sure if he still has a pilot license, but he did have a pilot license. I don't want to, don't misquote me on that, but anyway. Um, so quite an interesting guy, but you know, we have a concierge service for businesses who want to set up on the island. Um, you know, we have head office requirements. So we do want to make sure that digital asset businesses who want to set up on the island are serious. And we want to make sure that they do have people on the ground. And, you know, it's not just, you know, the name plates on the, you know, door, you know, offices and that kind of stuff. We do actually want to see people on the ground because we want to make sure that from an educational standpoint as well, this is an industry which gradually over time is going to build up, um, you know, within the jurisdiction. So, you know, in some ways as well, because we have these requirements, maybe it's a challenge because um, it maybe turns some people away um, because they have all these requirements. But the thrust has always been, um, I suppose, quality over quantity. And that's what I've always repeated to many, many, many people. And, um, you know, we introduced this legislation in 2018. We actually only have nine entities, um, or at least the last time I checked, nine entities which have been licensed, you know, since that time um, by the Bermuda Monetary Authority. And, you know, I think that's really a sign of the, I guess, the seriousness that um, we treat these applications. Um, and the way we look at them. And um, we want to make sure that the 
the really good players are coming into the space. So in relation to that, um, recently we had Richard Turin who came on our show and he talked about uh, digital currency, central bank digital currency, specifically for island nations. And he also mentioned Bermuda um, in the sense that you guys don't have a central bank and you're 100% USD reserve. I did not know that. Um, So that was interesting. Curious to hear from your point of view, um, you know, the point that he mentioned about about the potential and you know where it goes from here and specifically with regards to Bermuda. Yeah, I, I enjoyed uh, Richard's podcast. Um, I'm not <clears throat> expecting a, a check in the mail for saying that or anything like that because obviously it's been tech podcast. But anyway, um, so yeah, I mean, I guess uh, you know, looking at um, where things were in the past, whenever I did a podcast, sorry, <laughs> a podcast. Whenever I did a call in the past with anyone interested in setting up a business on Ireland, um, one of the questions I always had from the start was, you know, do you have crypto banking facilities? And that was always something where, you know, and the answer was always no, because <laughs> at that stage, you know, no one did. I think it's hard to say hardly anyone still does, but it was always something that was high on the government's radar in terms of trying to provide some form of sort of digital asset banking or some sort of banking facility in some way, shape or form. But looking at like CBDCs that they're looking at, you know, implementing in obviously China and, you know, the Bahamas certainly is, was the great example that Richard mentioned, their sand dollar. You know, Bahamas, um, you know, they were the first out of the gate and, you know, their population is, you know, about 400,000 people. Um, you know, like I said, we're quite small, 60 odd thousand people, you know, we don't have a central bank, you know, and therefore we don't have a monetary policy, you know, and as you said, yeah, we're, we're hundred percent USD reserve. So with no central bank to digitize, um, you know, dollars or to replace traditional cash, I mean, um, to try and go out and push for our own CBDC, it just doesn't really make sense for us to do that. At least that's the decision that the, the government have made, you know, along with our, you know, fintech advisory group, you know, working within government, which is really the correct decision. And so what we've been trying to do in Bermuda is really work in a more innovative way. And and that's to allow the, the private sector really to come to the island and to work within our regulatory framework, you know, having passed, I guess, our own um, regulatory tests that to allow them to come within the island. And, and that's really also, that's really for the use of stable coins. And, you know, and, you know, projects, we have different projects in the making. So, you know, just to give you a couple of examples, um, one was the use of um, USDC created by Coinbase and Circle. Um, that's what the largest uh, stable coin, but Circle set up on the island. And um, that's a project in the making, which should allow the payment of local taxes using um, uh, stablecoin. Um, there's another stablecoin platform which um, has teamed up with the government to um, eventually allow for the purchase of food and other essential products um, from local retailers. Um, that's again something that's sort of in the works. And my first, I mean, my most fun example, <laughs> to be honest. Um, is there's a uh, 
Canadian tech firm um, called um, Bedali, which they're practicing uh, to allow the use of uh, digital payments in order to allow people to buy um, our amazing um, black seal rum um, using digital assets. And um, I always joke to people that um, I describe Bermuda as being, you know, it's comprised of approximately 65,000 people or like 65,000 alcoholics clinging to a rock. <laughs> and I think, you know, Bermuda is probably the only jurisdiction to pilot a digital currency to allow people to purchase rum. So I think that that's just a kind of funny way of looking at how we would allow this. But the thing I would say is that, you know, we're not out there seeking solutions or you know, looking for providers um, to, to try to come to the island. So we're not trying to seek this. It's just if innovators want to come to Bermuda and they want to test their products and they think that Bermuda is the right jurisdiction for them because we have such a great regulatory framework and a great regulator um, and a fintech friendly government, like I said, um, then, you know, they're welcome to come. And as long as they meet our regulatory requirements and they can jump through our application process and so on, then that's great. And the government will, are quite happy to work with them. And the Bermuda Monetary Authority, you know, they're also happy to work with them in terms of, you know, hopefully getting them um, established here, um, as, you know, assuming they meet the, um, the minimum um, requirements. It's, it's interesting now there's so much to talk about with you know, rum as a digital currency and, and all the rest. Yeah. Um, Not quite but, digital currency yet, but you might want, you're close. I, you, you could buy shares and rum and, you know, we could see yeah. what the fluctuation is over time. And, you know, I, I you mentioned Circle kind of, kind of setting up. Yeah. Um, I remember when I first met the team, I think it was in 2014 in Boston. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, I, I kick myself all the time for not at least, you know, putting $100 into Bitcoin back in 2014. Um, just, just because, uh, but it's, it's interesting how crypto has changed and how these companies have changed and how they, you know, think about, um, the future of this technology and where, you know, blockchain came in and started to sort of build this just energy behind it. And then what we've yeah. seen now, it's almost like the opportunity for cryptocurrencies and for blockchain technology to change financial services has has taken this wave and now it's kind of gone to this absurd place you know with you know elon and all of this like fluctuation and just i don't know we're, we're going to get like you know crypto bros just you know hating on this episode because i i'm just yeah i'm not sure where we're going with it but um no i was gonna say it's still so nascent and every time you go and you will go online like what i was just saying in terms of stable coins, you know, people will say stable coins are, you know, the end of the world. And then you turn around, you read another article and say, you know, CBDCs are the end of the planet and so on. And so it's kind of a bit painful when you go online and everyone has such a different opinion regarding this space, but it is just so nascent in a way. And Bitcoin, you know, was invented in 2008 by, you know, we didn't even know who Satoshi Nakamoto. No one even knows who that person or what it is. 
So it was probably you know, Elon. I mean, you know, we never <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. He was a teenager, I think, back then. I guess. But who knows? No, he had yeah, already exactly. founded Pay or co-founded with eighteen thousand yeah, people. Yeah, that's right, PayPal, and, or whatever. Yeah, so, so, you know, it, it, it's it's totally within you know the, the the sort of framework of who he is to like have been Satoshi. Um, but but you know <laughs> yeah. when when we when we go back though, it's like you know the technology is really interesting. You know, this proof of work and just the way that the structure of it has changed the way that. You know, my old bank uh, looked at it and, you know, when we put out a, a white paper about what we were going to do with it and the companies that we were going to invest in, I mean, you know, at the time it was like pretty far out there. And yet yeah. now all we're talking about is basically the, the dollar and the, the yuan and other currencies being replaced digitally by something that's still controlled by a government. So I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what's changed. So, so when you think about, you know, the, the type of work then you've done and sort of shifted into this fintech and crypto role, um, Bermuda has been a popular destination, of course, for insurance companies and other types of financial service companies. Do you think that crypto in different forms will continue to be important to Bermuda? And like, where do you think it's going? Yeah, I guess, um, interesting. I mean, I think, you know, sure and sweet in a way, um, you know, but our insurance industry, you know, has been around for around 60 odd years now. And, you know, it, it grows and grows and grows, you know, upon the happening of different events. So, you know, um, like for instance, when there are large hurricanes, like Hurricane Andrew in 1992, and then hurricanes um, Katrina, Rita, and Wilmer in 2005, um, or 9/11, um, for instance, as well. You know, anything where the U.S. domestic insurance market gets severely impacted. Um, lead to tons of capital coming into the island and forming reinsurance companies. And so, you know, we've been an innovative, um, uh, I guess, jurisdiction, but, you know, um, reinsurance is the, by and large, the biggest sector of the economy, the commercial reinsurance industry. But, you know, we also did invent, a, invent the captive insurance industry, um, which that's probably a whole different podcast when we go and talking about that. But, that's, you know, it's um, something which took off in the 1960s. Um, now, crypto, so this is, you know, the insurance industry has been along, has been around for a while, and we do have tons of insurance companies on the ground in Bermuda and insurance executives who work in Bermuda. And by far, that is the biggest sector. Crypto will be far, far, far slower to develop. Um, you know, it's, an industry in this modern age, which you you can't rush. I mean, there are huge factors out there like AML, ATF, obviously huge cybersecurity concerns, KYC concerns, which needs to be addressed. Um, and you know, unlike insurance, I suppose um, where the focus is really on policyholder protection, here it's on consumer protection. And you know, this is an industry. That you were alluding to like where it's you know, it's kind of like the wild wild west out there just to put it politely it's a very challenging sector and um and so they are the meter monitor authority they do really when they look at um applications they put so much emphasis on looking at uh, like the aml side of things and you know do these companies have sufficient aml policies in place to protect customers and what are they doing to ensure that that's you know being done and also the cybersecurity measures that have been into place as well. And it, you know, in my mind, it's um I kind of think of it as being a sort of a, a slower grower for sure. And I think, 
you know, unlike other jurisdictions, whereas maybe like Gibraltar or Malta, for instance, they they have grown much more rapidly. Where I, I think, in our sense, it's sort of, um, you know, we are, uh, you know, not that kind. Of, we're not in that kind of league of jurisdictions. We are one which we sort of like to think of ourselves as being sort of, I guess, a league above. You know, I think we're a far better place than many other crypto or fintech jurisdictions. Some people don't, don't like using the word fin, you know, crypto, but I'll use it. Um, I don't have any issue using the word crypto, but I think we're far better placed than, than other of, of other jurisdictions. But you know, in my, if you want me to sort of sound like a Hollywoodish, I suppose, <laughs> it, to me, it's all, you know, if you build it, they will come. Um, I was trying to think earlier, I was like, So Chris, to your point about um, being wild, wild west, right? Um, if I look at the current state of fintech funding, I, I would apply the same description to it. We've seen massive funding rounds. Uh, someone has commented recently that they had not seen so much money coming into the market with all kinds of fintechs and shapes and sizes and everywhere, different geographies, new bank, for example, JP Morgan recently just announced they're going to acquire um, so it, it what what is going on um you know what do you think the remainder of the year will bring uh we're going to see more ipos we're going to see more fintechs getting acquired we're going to see banks playing nicely or what types of companies get you excited well, banks playing nicely is that a good one um i think looking at the last one first in terms of companies that get me excited i mean i think um certainly near and dear to my hospitals would be I guess companies in the crypto sector, um, so digital asset companies, and just seeing how um, these startups in the sac that sector actually do innovate, and how we actually use digital assets on an increasing basis. You know, whether it's Bitcoin or maybe smaller cryptos, as long as not Dogecoin. But I think you know, you obviously going into shops and restaurants or whatever. You know, how are we going to be able to use this? These digital assets and kind of companies and more inventive and innovative ones that um, implement this. Um, I guess the this space. I think that's one area which I am quite interested in looking at and seeing you know for the rest of this year and and beginning of next year. And that's certainly a space you cannot avoid. Um, InsureTech also, I think, is going to be really really neat to follow. I mean, I think we just had. We Fox in Europe launch. Um, it was like last week or so, which you know had a billion dollar valuation. And um, I think you know in this space would be things like the use of smart contracts and artificial intelligence and how they'll be implemented to really figure out how you know insurance companies will pay insurance and how far we will use this technology to go really without needing humans to be involved, which isn't WeFox's model at all. I mean, Lemonade Inc. Um, had a tussle with WeFox a few years ago in terms of Lemonade felt that WeFox were sort of stealing their technology and, and so on. But you know, Lemonade used a very, very, very heavy AI, heavy, um, AI approach to their business model. Um, I think it will be neat to see you know, how Insure tech companies will look at um, uh, this kind of technology in terms of working out well how 
how much human intervention do we really need? Um, and can we just pay out policies while actually having to talk with actual human beings? Is it just a question of going onto your smartphone and hitting pay, basically? Um, and then I guess one which is kind of close to my heart, and I, maybe it's cheating a little bit because I don't think it's technically fintech, but that's actually legal tech um, as well, which is, you know, how technology will impact the provision of legal services. And again, those will be things like sort of smart contracts and artificial intelligence and automation and how that's used for simple legal matters. I think in this space, I can still see how allowing people access to legal services um, through the use of things like automation, in a way, it can kind of, you can see how that's the sort of thing where you can get access to those types of services because they may not have been able to afford um, previously those types of services because everything is not done, I suppose, you know, cheaper, cheaper, yes. It doesn't really, you don't really you can walk into a law firm perhaps and you spend tons and tons of using an attorney, whereas instead you could do something online. So the benefits to, you know, a user who may not be able to afford, you know, actually using an attorney, but also from an attorney's perspective, you're cutting out a lot of the more of the sort of less, um, I guess, complicated tasks and and therefore, you know, perhaps, you know, you're, you're working more on the sort of, you know, complicated legal tasks and not the simple administrative tasks, which may be operation. So I can spend more time working on creative matters. And, um, and you know, I, I guess that's sort of slight change. And I think, you know, that tech doesn't extend to complex matters. You know, of course, the concerns here, which will, you know, relate to, well, where do you draw the line, you know, regarding the use of artificial intelligence, you know, and it can produce perhaps the wrong result, you know, if, if it's used incorrectly. And obviously that's, obviously, Theo, that's a totally, totally different podcast if you want to invite me back, which we can do as well. But, you know, um, that legal tech is one which I think would be interesting. And then in looking at, um, like, what the remainder of the year will bring, I mean, I can see how, you know, I think, Broadly speaking, I think things like cybersecurity um, is obviously a massive, um, definitely a massive area which you're going to still continue to see growth um, since this is still such a growing, growing concern in this space, um, like use of ransomware and so on. It's not just big companies, it's small companies. Like I always laugh that my you know, veterinarian got hacked. It's just people want data. They want other people's data to be able to, you know, basically try and, you know, get them to, you know, force to sort of buy it back. Um, and then things like companies which, like Internet of Things, the IoT companies. Um, so I think we'll continue to see things like talking fridges. That's going to be uh, um, a mainstay moving forward throughout the rest of the year. And then health tech. Um, I think health tech is still going to remain and moving forward going to be huge, um, whether it's my Apple Watch, um, checking to see whether I'm breathing too much or not breathing enough or whatever. Because I think, uh, as you know, you know, Theo as well, we're all, we're all growing older. And I know longevity is a dear, you, you know, great thing to your heart as well. So, you know, this is uh, um, something where um, I definitely think that this is going to be 
those are three major items I can sort of see. Well, we're going to continue to see a lot of uh, movement forward for these this year and next year. I think we could only hope that there would be more money being put into the longevity economy and taking care of us as we age, because as you just alluded to, there's uh, no lack of uh, everyone getting a little bit older. Uh, there, there's there's just too much money uh, that's going to things that I just don't understand. You know, every single day we see billions and billions of dollars being thrown at things that, God, in 10 years, what's going to matter? Anyway, um, switching gear and kind of closing out on this kind of question, because you know, as far as I'm concerned, we need to all come and visit you in Bermuda. So let's let's uh, put together <laughs> that dream panel. Let's let's uh, finally visit those those beaches that you continue to tease us with. Mm -hmm. uh, if yeah. you could put together that panel or or a conference, but let's talk about that panel first. Any topic that you want, <laughs> who would be on it uh, besides us? Besides <laughs> us, and and yeah. what would you be talking about? Like, bring us all, all right, to Bermuda. Well, bring us there. All right, so it has to be on. Okay, I can tell you why. It's, it can be on the island. That's fine. It's just we can't have as long as it's not a house. I'm not doing a, a, a pool party panel at my house. That's for sure. <laughs> that is definitely off the cards. So it can be in Bermuda. That's fine. I think um, a dream panel. You know, yeah. I I was thinking, you know, probably the four horse of the apocalypse. To be honest. I was really thinking that I would probably go with like take on let's bring on like Jeff Bezos and Sundar uh, Pichai and Mark Zuckerberg and I mean maybe then I guess poor old Tim Cook would probably have to come along as well and yeah uh, I think there you probably have to moderate or something just to sort of sit there and watch these guys or something because and I don't even know Bradley I think. I don't even know. Do we need a topic? I mean, can we just not just give them wine and just wine, put wine them in rum. a room? Like, yeah, I think. I yeah, think wine that, that would be wine. Just it, put them in a room. The I, and I just like to hear. Well, I just want to see what they have to say, and just just make sure that they don't like go after each other or whatever. And you know, and maybe at the end, I think it would be cool if we had like maybe Elon Musk could just come like barging in or something like that, and with with a cloud of smoke their, of some kind. Really, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Really. Start rapping or whatever, and as long as he doesn't start tweeting about Bitcoin or Dogecoin or whatever, then then I think we're safe. But you know, that would be probably my most entertaining panel. But you probably also want to run away and and um, you know maybe just run to the beach or something afterwards. And definitely would require alcohol, I'm sure. But yeah, we'd have to yeah. jump into the the ocean or something after that. I we'll think. need a detox, <laughs> but um, either that or sure. we might actually have to do it and space because that seems to be the thing yeah, to do well, now, isn't it? I think you know, is, yeah, well, yeah. You know, get get Richard Branson right? on the panel as well. Yeah, we'll all be there. Exactly. Exactly. Well that would be fun, but hopefully before that we can actually do a beach barbecue or uh, something of sorts. Sure. Um, I know that Bart Barb uh, McLean, she is very yeah, keen to come yeah. over and visit you. So one of these you're, you're days you're all welcome. You're all welcome. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> we put you on the spot so of course you're gonna have to say that but uh anyway this has been fun um that was not the answer we were expecting by the way that was kind of cool see you like to throw things um a little bit oh, really? and, um, keep it entertaining but anyway so thank you so much for joining us today 
Chris, and it's lovely to see you. One of these days, we will see you in person because we have done this too many times now already. Yes. But um, yeah, so thank it's, you. It's been a pleasure, guys. Well, thank you so much for having me. And yeah, definitely, let's plan on getting together. Hopefully, it's not just at a boring New York conference or whatever, and you know, we can try and set up something, some sort of fintechy thing here for you guys I, to I, make an excuse. I, I don't to know because at this point, I, I think at this point we would all take a boring here conference. <laughs> Boring conference seems amazing at this point, but uh, and for all anywhere, of you listen, yeah, anywhere we'll do one anywhere. Um, <laughs> and for all of you listening in, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of One Vision, and we'll talk to you all next week. Mm -hmm.